Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. New year, new you. The start of a new year is a time when many begin with resolutions, figuring out what they're going to do to improve this year. First Pres Associate Pastor Tim Shaw has a better idea. Ha'ole makahiki ho! Happy New Year and welcome to 2021. I'm Tim Shaw, one of the pastors here at First Pres. I don't know about you, but I really like seeing 2020 in the rear view mirror. I'm excited to be looking into the future. What might God have in store for us in this brand new year? I don't know the answer to that question, except to say this. Whatever may come, we know that Emmanuel, our God who is with us, will journey with you and me through the year ahead. He is our reason for peace. He is our reason for confidence. He is our reason to hope. So welcome to this new year that is filled with promise because it will be filled with Jesus. He has already gone ahead of us and will go with us. Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit and fill our minds and hearts with yourself. Come Holy Spirit and fill us with the gift of your peace, the gift of your love, the gift of your joy. Come, Holy Spirit, and rest upon each person listening to my voice. Renew and refresh every family gathered together in their homes to worship you. Draw close to those who are alone right now and remind them that you are with them. Come, Holy Spirit, and be our teacher. Come, Holy Spirit, and transform our lives so that we might look more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. As the Christmas season comes to a close, I want to look at a very interesting passage from the Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. So grab a Bible, or open up your Bible app on your iPhone or tablet, and turn with me to read this really surprising story. This passage immediately follows the birth story of Jesus. This is a story that I love. It's the only story we have that tells us anything about what happened when Jesus was a youth. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware. Oops. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Or as other translations put it, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? 
but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And as Jesus grew up, he increased in wisdom and in favor with God and people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what was it like for Mary and Joseph to misplace the Son of God? If you're a parent who has momentarily lost sight of your child at the playground, you know what it feels like to think you've lost your child. Every fiber of your being is on alert. The first time I can remember getting lost as a child was when I was probably about five or six years old. I give my parents pretty high marks that it took them about five or six years to lose track of me. It happened on a ferry on a morning crossing from Long Beach to Catalina Island. Catalina is an island just off the coast of Southern California. If you're a Mac user, you've probably been staring at one end of Catalina Island every time you open your computer. I was standing at the railing. My parents and siblings were right behind me. I was enjoying the view as together we watched the coast of California recede on the horizon. At one point, I reached back to grab the hand of one of my parents. I probably wanted to get their attention or because I needed to make a comment about something. I grabbed their hand and all of a sudden I realized I wasn't holding my mom or dad's hand. I had taken a hold of the hand of a stranger. My mom, my dad, my brother, and two sisters were gone. I was now lost in a forest of legs belonging to unknown people. There wasn't a familiar face anywhere in sight. And my peaceful little six-year-old heart was now filling with a gathering sense of panic as I began to search for my family. When I found them, they were relaxing in the main passenger cabin. After what seemed like a 30-minute quest for survival, that probably lasted only a minute, I was indignant. Hey, I'm the kid here. You're the parents. It's your job to keep track of me. I don't get it. What are you guys doing in here? I'm out there fighting for my life, and you're in here lounging around drinking hot chocolate. I don't remember my parents ever losing track of me again. And probably what really happened that day is that they told me that they were going inside and they had the reasonable expectation that I would follow them. I either didn't hear those directions or I decided I wasn't done looking at the view. Because of that near-death experience, I have some idea of what Mary, the mother of Jesus, might have been feeling when she lost her son. Of course, mine is a six-year-old's perspective. But nonetheless, I know what that panic feels like. Jesus' parents lost track of their son. I think what probably happened is that Mary assumed that Jesus was with Joseph. And Joseph assumed that Jesus was with his mom or some other relative. During these national festivals in Israel, families and friends, they traveled as large communities and trusted that everyone would be watching out for each other's kids. At some point, Mary or Joseph asked the other parents something like, hey, would you please go call Jesus for dinner? What do you mean, go call him for dinner? I, I, I thought he was with you. And suddenly they realized that neither of them knew where Jesus was. So they asked their friends. No one knew what had happened to Jesus. This is like that moment in Home Alone 2, when the family arrives at their destination airport and they can't find their son, Kevin. When the mom realizes that they've once again lost their son, she yells his name, Kevin, and passes out on the floor. 
The text says that on the third day, Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus in the temple. They probably had traveled for an entire day before they realized Jesus was missing. It took them another entire day for them to get back to Jerusalem. And apparently, once they got to the city, they looked for him for another day. Can you imagine the anxiety and the worry that must have filled their minds and hearts? When they find Jesus sitting in the temple, talking with the religious leaders, the text says they were astonished. I'm pretty sure some of you parents or aunties and uncles might come up with a few other descriptive words of what you might be feeling. The Greek word translated astonished can mean to drive a person out of their senses by a sudden shock. Mary says to Jesus, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I'm not sure how well Jesus' response to his mom would have gone over with my mom or dad. I'm not sure how well it would have gone over with me. Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? That is a remarkable answer to his mom's legit question. The text says Mary and Joseph did not understand what he was saying to them. Then Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And as Jesus grew up, he increased in wisdom and in favor with God and people. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Even at 12 years old, it seems that Jesus had a growing understanding of who he was and what his heavenly father was calling him to be and to do. He had a growing understanding of the why of his life. He was beginning to comprehend the purposes of his life. His life was to be about his heavenly father's business. And God's business is really important business. God's business is to bring salvation and healing and hope and justice and compassion and mercy and transformation to our fractured world. God is in the business of recreating what's broken. During the Christmas season, we remember that God entered into our troubled world, bringing his kingdom of hope and healing and grace and love. In the child Jesus, God takes on his creation. He clothes himself in our humanity to make a way for us to be in a relationship with him. I love the fact that in the Christian calendar, Christmas continues for 12 days after December 25th. The season of Christmas continues until Epiphany on January 6th. So today is Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany is the day when we remember the arrival of the Magi, the wise men from the East who brought their gifts to Jesus. Christmas shows us how the purposes of God are bound up in the gift of God's Son for the world. I think that the gift of God's love for the world in Jesus makes Christmas the most joyous season of the year, at least for me. But I also know that Christmas can be one of the most painful seasons of the year. This is true every year, but in 2020, I think it might have been a particularly painful experience for many people. So many are hurting. We are feeling the absence of friends and family because of 
COVID-19 restrictions or because a loved one died this past year. The pain for many is really great. People are experiencing sorrow. And I know what some of that feels like personally. Every year we journey to Christmas through the season of Advent. Advent is a season of waiting. And during Advent, we wait to celebrate the first coming of Jesus. And we wait for Christ to be born anew in each of our lives. And Advent reminds us that we continue to wait for Christ to come again and put everything that is broken back together. We long for that day to come. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once remarked that it is always Advent. Even after Christmas, it's still Advent. We are still waiting for all that God has planned for us. So in the midst of all the joy we can experience at Christmas, there is still a longing for the day when everything will be made right. Joy and longing go together at Christmas. Jesus came to our world because we live in a world that needs a Savior. He came because there's death. He came because relationships are broken. He came because there's depression and addiction and injustice, because there's hurt and loss. And Jesus comes to deal with all of that and more. We need saving. And because a Savior has been born, that is the reason we can sing at Christmas, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, joy to the world. We can still experience joy while we continue to long for everything to be put back together. I love what 20th century theologian Karl Barth said about joy. He said, joy is a defiant nevertheless. Even though there is great pain and sorrow, Christmas tells us that we can still say, nevertheless, the Savior was born. Everything is going to be okay. Joy in the midst of longing is a gift our God wants to give us right here at the beginning of this new year. The, angel, the angels announced to the shepherds watching their flocks that they had news of great joy. It wasn't news of great happiness. It wasn't advice for how we can live a happy life. It was news of great joy. And there's a big difference between happiness and joy. You see, joy hits at a deeper level than happiness. Our culture is in a pursuit of happiness and pleasure. There's nothing wrong with being happy. I like being happy. There's nothing wrong with wanting to experience pleasure in life. Those are good things. I want to be happy. I want to enjoy the pleasures of this life. But happiness can be unreliable because happiness is a function of the circumstances of my life. And things don't always go the way I want them to. So my happiness can be fleeting and fragile. When things don't work out the way I'd hope, happiness can recede. Joy is much deeper. Joy is something we can't create on our own. It's a gift that we are given. That insight that joy is a gift is built into the Greek word for joy. The word for joy is kara, and the Greek word for grace or gift is charis. Joy is a function of grace. When we experience the grace of God, when we receive the free gift of his love, 
the free gift of his forgiveness, when we experience his presence in our lives, we also can experience a joy that cannot be taken away from us. Joy is a gift, and it's given to us by God. I don't create it. Circumstances don't create it. God gives it to me as a gift. The angels told the shepherds that there is mega kara, great joy, because of the birth of the Son of God. There is great joy available to the world as a free gift. It's something I can only receive, which is why I will be praying that God will give you and me his joy as a gift here at the beginning of this new year. Whatever your circumstances might be today, whether your circumstances are really great and you're experiencing a lot of happiness, I'm still going to be praying for you that you will receive the joy that cannot be taken away from you no matter what happens in your life. Jesus came to put things right in our broken, upside-down, hurting world. That was his why. That clarity about his why led to this very interesting and somewhat awkward interaction between preteen Jesus and his mom. Jesus' clarity about his why would certainly play a significant role in his parents' understanding of their own why. As they began to comprehend his why, they began to see that they needed to rethink their why in light of his. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus wants to help you and me to know our why. To know our why, we need to see how our why is bound up with his. Could it be that during this challenging season in our lives, we have a unique opportunity to ask some very deep questions about why we are here? What is God calling us to be and to do with the life he has given to us? When asked by a reporter filming a documentary, what was one of the most meaningful times in your life? Londoners in their 80s and 90s said one of the most meaning-filled seasons in their lives was during the Blitz. To me, that is a very surprising response. How could that be? During World War II, the Nazis bombed London relentlessly, causing tremendous destruction and loss of life. How could those difficult years be ones filled with significance and purpose? Was that one of the most horrific times in their lives? It most likely was a horrible time for them. But in retrospect, these survivors of the London Blitz saw it as a moment of great clarity. One octogenarian said, when you're that close to death, you also truly live. The bond that developed between those who went through the attacks on London, the solidarity they felt with their nation, and the determination that they would not be defeated did something to them. Some of these 80 and 90 year olds said, we acted in ways that we did not think we could. Their why came into focus in the most difficult and fearful time. We are living through a moment in history that has turned our lives upside down. We may not be facing the same kind of threat those Londoners lived through 75 years ago, but we are living through our own time of tremendous uncertainty. We're living through a time of incredible pain and profound difficulty. For many of us, we've never experienced the kind of calamitous global disruption we are now experiencing. And it isn't over yet. I recently heard Jamie George, who is a consultant and former pastor 
of Journey Church in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, ask a very interesting question. What if this time that we're living through is our equivalent of the Blitz? What if this unwelcome season could help us understand and maybe reprioritize some of the most important things in our lives? Could this season of challenge be a time when we can discover or rediscover our why? Is it possible that over the last few years, we've lost track of some really important things in our lives? Could it be that there is a gift from God hidden within the challenges we are currently facing in this season in the wilderness that's been created by the coronavirus? For many of us, the pandemic has slowed life down. But even if we're not one of the many who have experienced a throttling back of our lives, could it be that it would be good for you and me to voluntarily pull the throttles back? What if we made the decision to slow down? If we did, what might we be able to see that we've missed while living our lives at full throttle? What if we could discover or rediscover something unique that we can bring to this moment in history and beyond it by slowing down and asking ourselves about our why? Could it be that the gift that has been given and hidden in all the uncertainty and chaos of the last year is the chance to look deeply into our lives before we rev things back up to a pace of life that we used to live? Could it be that this is a time to ask, what really matters in my life? What do I really value? What do I really care about? In what direction am I headed? It may be that the last few years brought challenges and difficulties beyond our control. It could be that we did not choose the situations that showed up in our lives. We were presented with unexpected difficulties and losses. But even if we were the source of those challenges, or we were just on the receiving end of those difficulties, could it be that we have been given an opportunity to see some things we did not previously recognize because we were running at a pace that kept us distracted. This may be an opportunity of a lifetime. What do we want to do with the short life we have here on Earth? In his book, Know Your Why, Ken Costa writes, why am I here? And not just here on Earth, why am I here in this city? Why am I here in this job, this church, this club, this group? Why am I here? Wrapped up in this question are so many others. Where should I be going? What should I be doing? How should I be living my life? Those are some really good questions. Ken Costa continues, you see at the heart of the Christian faith is a big fat why. And that why takes the shape of a calling a calling for us to be here, in this place and at this time, a calling for us to live out our faith and values in the rough and tumble of our everyday existence, a calling to engage with the world around us in the power and the light of Christ. Here at the beginning of 2021, we have an opportunity to ask ourselves, what is my why? Is my purpose in life in focus? Some of you might be thinking, 
Tim, I'm too old to spend time figuring out a question like that. I've missed my opportunity to know my why. I say not true. You're never too old to explore this question because the answer to it will help you understand what you could do with your life this week or even today. Maybe this is a time to bring into focus or back into focus your why. If you're younger, figuring out your why in the early years of life will also be a game changer. Knowing your why will clarify what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. But here's the key. Our why is wrapped up in Jesus' why. We find our meaning and purpose in life as we join Jesus in the world. In many ways, we all have a similar calling on our lives. And in many other ways, our calling is completely unique to each one of us. Ken Costa writes, the content of that calling, of that why, is set out in the Bible. It's the great commandment of Christ to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Or the great call to compassion that the book of Micah describes so beautifully. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. But what does that calling look like, specifically for me or for you? How can we even begin to understand that calling or put it into practice? Steve Page is going to help us think that through next Sunday as he will continue helping to us to learn how to know our why. God wants to help you and me know our why. God is inviting you and me to join him in what he is doing in the world to bring about healing, hope, love, and joy. Even though we all share a common calling, as Costa points out, God's calling on each one of our lives is also special, unique, beautiful. It's an expression of God's heart. No one in the history of the world has ever existed that is exactly like you or me. Jamie George says, that makes you and me an endangered species. There's only one of you, and there will only ever be one of you. The same is true for me. God has fashioned us and is shaping us into an absolutely unique expression of his creativity. No matter what our age, God has a good plan for us today. Bringing that plan into focus or back into focus is what I mean by knowing your why. I remember early in my pastoral ministry when I was in my late 20s or early 30s, I was really struggling with whether I had what it would take to be a pastor. Lots of questions. Up to that point, I had struggled my whole life, wondering whether I was really good enough. I brought that struggle into my work as the youth pastor for First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley. I remember the day I was scheduled to preach at First Press Berkeley, a church that is just two blocks from one of the leading universities in the world. Berkeley is a town where banners with the faces of all the Nobel laureates from Cal hang on the light posts on Telegraph Avenue. Earl Palmer, the pastor of the church at the time and one of the great biblical expositors of his generation, had preached the week before. I was scheduled to preach the following week, and I knew that John Stott was guest preaching the next 
week after me. John Stott was one of the great Christian leaders of the 20th century. So the preaching lineup was first Earl Palmer, then Tim Shaw, and then John Stott. I felt so much pressure to try and to be something that I was not. That pressure wasn't put on me by Earl or anyone else. It was something I put on myself. I made it through that preaching assignment, and a few weeks later, I was on vacation in Colorado. It was there that God had a little talk with me. By hiking near Maroon Bells, God got my attention. He simply said this to me, Tim, I already have an Earl Palmer. I have a Mark Laberton. I even have a John Stott. I only have one of you. What do you think about this? Here's my proposal, God said to me. Would you be willing to just show up to work as you? I have some really good work for you to do, but I need you, not an imitation of anyone else. I want to use your life, your unique life. Because Tim, with me, God said to me, you are enough. That was my conversation with God. It really was actually a monologue. I don't remember saying much except, okay. I began to rediscover my why on that hike near Aspen, Colorado. And I continue to discover more of that why as I grow in my relationship with Jesus. The more I know him, the more I understand his why, the clearer my why becomes. Here's what I'm discovering. The most important thing to know about your why is that you are loved by God with a love that is beyond measuring. Pastor Daryl Johnson writes about the shepherds who were the first to hear the news of the mega joy that was being announced to the world at Christmas. The shepherds were probably viewed by many in their day as some of the least likely people to hear news announced by angels from heaven. Maybe you feel that way too. You're not good enough. This good news is not really for you. If you feel that way, you couldn't be more wrong. This is good news for everyone. Daryl Johnson writes, the shepherds teach us that it is at the bottom of the ladder where we meet the living God. Christmas tells us that we need not climb the ladder to get to God. Christmas says God comes down the ladder to get us. Because God's great love for you can pulsate at the heart of your why. Your most important calling is a call into a relationship with Jesus. Our why is discovered when, we, when it emerges from a place of resting in his love for us. So as we begin a new year that is filled with great challenges, could it be that this is a moment to slow down and ask some deeper questions about our lives? Could it be that Jesus wants to help us know him more completely and understand his why and ours more fully in the midst of the wilderness in which we are living? I'd like to close today by praying a prayer that Pete Gregg prayed. Pete is a pastor and head of the 24-7 prayer movement. Listen to his prayer, and I want to invite you to make his prayer your own. Pete prays. Father, help me to embrace the wilderness as the place of transformation. 
as I find myself in a lonely place, instead of waiting for the wilderness to end, may it be here that I find you afresh and make a way for you to be seen in me. And Lord, it might be that there is someone here today who has never put their trust in you. If that's you, if you've never committed your life to Jesus and you want to today, I want to give you that opportunity to do so right now. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus, please pray this prayer with me. Loving God, I thank you for all that you have done for me and for our world. I am so sorry for the ways I have tried to live my life apart from you. Would you please forgive me for all of my sins? Wash me completely clean. Begin to heal the broken places in my life. Thank you for making a way for me to be in a relationship with you forever. Thank you for welcoming me into your forever family. Thank you for making me a daughter or a son of the King of Kings. And would you please fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the gift of mega joy that I might live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to help you get started on your journey with Jesus. Just click on the button in the chat area. That tells us that you've made a commitment to Jesus, and we'd love to pray with you. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. If you'd like to join us for communion live on Zoom right after the service, just click on the Connect Group button that will appear in the chat area. And after we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, you'll have the option to stick around and join one of our smaller connect groups that meet every week after the worship service on Zoom. And now receive this blessing. Now to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and honor both now and forevermore. Amen. Happy New Year and have a great week. This year, let's resolve to seek God, rest in Him, and align our why with His. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but during this COVID season, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 for First Pres, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Happy New Year. Stay safe. And thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.